Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include acronyms in the industry, part one of my interview with Mike Smith on insurance risk for lenders, and storylines driving the bond market with just three full weeks of trading left in the year. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Locked In, the largest privately held global insurance broker, which focuses on property and casualty insurance and employee benefits insurance programs. Locked In has a specialized lender services group focused on quantifying and analyzing specific insurance needs to adequately minimize regulatory and balance sheet risks. They have a keen focus on firms within the mortgage banking arena specializing in errors and emissions, or ENO, fidelity bond, DNO, and cyber liability. Lockton acts as an extension of your firm's risk management team by procuring insurance policies and seeing claims through from start to finish, like a data breach or ENO claim. While headlines move interest rates and countries are shutting their borders again, our industry awaits the official 2022 conforming loan limits after the FHFA's HPI data is reported tomorrow. We're reminded that Freddie and Fannie, and Ginny for that matter, are names of companies that were turned into acronyms, which then became nicknames. Residential lenders speak their own language. The mortgage industry has enough acronyms to fill a mail sack. Are you ready for the Zone Improvement Plan? No worries. It was officially rolled out in 1963 as a zip code. The extra four digits, after the dash, which few humans actually write, came out in 1983. When you're sending those Christmas cards and presents, know that the first three digits of the zip code describe the Sectional Center Facility, or SCF, a central mail processing facility, and the fourth and fifth digits give a more precise locale within the SCF. See? And you think that you never learn anything from this commentary. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome on to the show Mike Smith, a client advisor at Lockton Companies. He enjoys a diverse client base that includes traditional banks, non-bank lenders, subservicers, and public companies with hefty D&O risk. Before focusing on risk management and corporate insurance, Mike worked as a senior loan consultant for Bank of America in the one-time closed construction lending group. He carved out a niche several years ago for non-bank lenders to procure corporate insurance policies that were customized for their specific business makeup. The end goal is always the perfect balance between risk philosophy, product access, and GSE slash regulatory compliance. Robbie, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? Doing well. So let's start by talking about Lockton. Can you tell me a little about Lockton and and what y'all do to service the lending community? Just in the in its simplest form, and from a thirty thousand foot level, uh, Lockton is the the world's largest privately held insurance brokerage and advisory business. So, we pretty much sit companies down, we talk through insurable risks, non insurable risks, uh, and try to quantify all of those. and And where it makes sense, we try to match up insurance products in the marketplace uh, with the who's who, and also with you know London markets, Bermuda markets. Uh, to place errors and omissions coverage, directors and officers insurance, cyber liability, any corporate insurance coverage uh, that that really a business would need to operate. So one thing I like to ask people that come on this show about their respective companies are their differentiators. What makes Lockton different from others offering insurance services in, in the space? We have a tagline that says uncommonly independent. It's kind of weird coming off the tongue sometimes, but we are family owned. Um, 
you know, when I joined Lockton about 13 years ago, we were around a $400 million revenue company. We're now at just under 2.2 billion and it's all organic growth. And so we are the growth engine for the insurance companies that we partner with. So our phone is ringing off the hook. So I would say that's one differentiator to, you know, it benefits our clients when we need to get the best pricing with the best coverage, we are their growth partner uh, going forward. So uh, we have pretty much, you know, probably five or six points better than any of our competitors in terms of organic growth. Our private nature as a business, um, you know, we are able to customize our service offering to our clients. Uh, you know, we match up personalities, we match up industry vertical groups. So th- this isn't where you come into an operation and we fit you into an assembly line. Uh, it is fully customizable for every client. And so, you know, as, as a partner of our Texas series, I am able uh, to make the call for my clients, whether it's to London, to Bermuda, to anywhere, to just make decisions very, very fast. So we are extremely flat as an organization. Uh, we focus on service because that's how we attract uh, and retain both our associates, but also our client base. Switching to some of your subject matter expertise here, what are lenders not thinking about when it comes to insurable risk? You know, I think they're not really focused as much probably on the dovetailing of their corporate insurance with their lender-placed insurance and the related uh, regulatory exposure uh, that exists there. Uh, At the time we're in with, you know, the foreclosure moratorium, Uh, being lifted. Uh, REOs have been pretty much at an all-time low. Uh, We we will likely see those those numbers uptick here in Q1. So I would say if you're looking, if you're a mortgage servicer, for example, uh, you know, dovetailing that mortgage impairment coverage that you're required to have under contract uh, with your investors uh, with your heirs and omissions coverage and also your mortgage EEO coverage that's in the seller servicer guide. I think that's probably the most important thing. Most of the times those are very bifurcated uh, in terms of who handles them within the business units at a, a mortgage servicer, for example. So I think looking at it holistically from you know an insurance strategy as opposed to, hey, this is my corporate insurance program. Let me go just place insurance coverage that I have to evidence uh, you know, for my contractual liabilities. So what do you see as the biggest trend or kind of trends going on in the mortgage community right now as it pertains to insurance? Oh, this, this one's easy, Robbie. This one is definitely uh, ransomware uh, and data breaches and everything that revolves around network security, uh, and privacy liability. Um, you know, what's interesting is, you know, probably in 2019, I was getting probably a phone call a week uh, from our lenders uh, within our client base, really saying, hey, I had a loan closer, they were hacked, um, somebody was in the system, they saw all their loan files. Um, and so there's a lot that goes into that uh, from an insurance lens, uh, but also uh, mitigating that event from happening in the future. So I would say the the kind of the data breach piece, but also the ransomware, we've had a lot of people wire out funds and it's to a fictitious title company, for example. So uh, that is running rampant. Um, and so when you look at it from an insurance lens, every insurance underwriter is mandating that you have multi-factor authentication, that you have you know these various items just to even give you an insurance quote. So that is going to be the biggest trend from from 
our lens, uh, but also going forward. If you look in two or three years, depending on what's insurable from a cyber liability perspective going forward and what's not, um, I could easily see that insurance expense being, you know, north of 25 to 50% even of an insurance company's total spend, uh, once again, depending on the coverage terms and conditions. How does ransomware fit into the corporate insurance program? Yeah, so there's there's two things there, which goes back to the theme of, of dovetailing and coordinating the various insurance coverages uh, at a mortgage lender or mortgage servicer. If you look at the direct loss, that's the key phrase there. So if somebody steals something from you or if somebody demands something, there is a direct loss that you suffer. So let's say it's a $400,000 hit and you have to pay that, that would come out of your crime policy. So crime is just think about if somebody steals your wallet or, you know, and directly takes a $20 bill out, uh, you've essentially had that stolen from you. So that would be covered in your crime policy. Now, if there is some sort of ransomware demand that's as a result of, hey, I'm going to put malware into your system. If you don't send over this $400,000, then that gets into also the cyber liability policy. So I think the big takeaway there is it does trigger, in most cases, two policies. So you do have to coordinate uh, between the two, which you know, locked in or your, your insurance broker would help you out with from a claims advocacy standpoint. Uh, but more so, that cyber liability policy really acts as a disaster recovery program uh, for most lenders and servicers. You pick up the phone, the policy will initiate uh, law firms, forensics firms, uh, notification cost firms to comply with state laws. So it's really a, a not just an insurance product, it's really a disaster recovery program that's built into it. So it, it's pretty unique if you've ever been through it. Join us for part two of our interview tomorrow. Anyone hoping for a quiet close to last week following the Thanksgiving holiday was met with market mayhem on Friday as a new coronavirus variant was identified in South Africa, sparking concerns of another round of lockdowns and travel restrictions, resulting in weaker growth. Mortgage rates had climbed throughout the week, driven by President Biden's decision to renominate Jerome Powell as Fed chair, but sharply reversed course on Friday. The new variant comes at a time when the U.S. is faced with the biggest surge in consumer prices in three decades due to supply chain pressures. We saw last week that the PCE price index, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, was unchanged at 5.3%, or 4.5% excluding food and energy, well above their 2% target rate. Know that home price appreciation is incorporated into the inflation data via rents and owner's equivalent rent, a proxy for homeowners, though generally shows up with a 12-month to 18-month lag. That means that the current inflation numbers, even if potentially transitory, have yet to capture the rapid home price appreciation we have seen this year. The new variant may create new shortages and increase prices. Remember everyone hoarding toilet paper? The biggest surprise from last week's data was initial jobless claims hitting the lowest level since 1969. While one week certainly does not make a trend, the decline in new claims is consistent with an environment where employers may be reluctant to let people go in the face of a lack of available workers. Another strong U.S. jobs report is expected this Friday. Consumer spending remains robust despite inflation that reached its highest level year-over-year growth rate since 1990. Even when accounting for higher prices, real spending increased 0.7% in October. Since the beginning of the year, wages and salaries have increased 7.6%, the fastest rate in the last 42 years. Turning to housing, 
Existing home sales increased 0.8% to a 6.34 million unit annual pace in October, and new home sales rose to a 745,000 unit pace. Builders are still facing backlogs due to materials and labor shortages, which have been pushing out completion timelines. It is possible that based on current demand that it could take a couple years for builders to complete their current pipelines. There are just three full weeks of trading days left for 2021 before holidays in the final two weeks. This week is chock full of higher tiered releases, including Friday's BLS employment situation for November, the S&P slash Case-Shiller home price indices, Chicago PMI, consumer confidence, ADP employment, ISM manufacturing, construction spending, the Fed's beige book, and ISM services and factory orders. Markets will get a break from supply as Treasury will just be auctioning bills, though Thursday it will announce details of the mini-refunding. We'll have more Fed appearances, including from Fed Chair Powell tomorrow, before the Senate Banking Committee on the CARES Act. Today's scheduled news consists only of the pending home sales index for October, the Dallas Fed Texas Manufacturing Index for November, and remarks from Fed Chair Powell and New York Fed President Williams, all later today. The Fed will purchase up to $5.6 billion of 30-year 2% and 2.5% today in the last operations on the current schedule before releasing a new one in the afternoon for the November 30th to December 13th period that should reflect some tapering. We begin the week with agency MBS prices worse a quarter from Friday and the 10-year yielding 1.54 after closing last week at 1.48% and Wednesday at 1.65%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. To reduce waste here in the holidays, our city has told food truck operators that they must donate all unsold items each night. I applaud the effort, but given how little space the trucks have in the first place, it seems like there's not really much room for waste to begin with. So, I've got to ask, how much food would a food truck chuck if a food truck could chuck food? If you're looking for proactive guidance and unique strategies to stay compliant while also reducing your firm's total cost of risk related to insurance, please contact LockedIn's Lender Services Group at lenderservices at lockedin.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the Daily Mortgage News Commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.